Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of telling a Jew about Jesus, and this program is a continuation of the previous one. Now, at the end of the previous program, I explained that the subject of the Messiah is important. Our God did tell us that there would be a Messiah one day, and so if he told us that there would be a Messiah, then we should know who he is. We should know enough about him so that when he shows up, we will know him when we see him. And I have explained in previous programs that I'm certainly making the assumption that there is a God, and I believe that the evidence is overwhelming to show that there is, and that if there is, then he probably has an opinion about the subject of his Messiah, and so we should find out what he has had to say about the Messiah, so we would know him when we saw him. And what we have in the, the scriptures, in the writings that have been passed down from generation to generation, we as a people have maintained the integrity of the historical record of what God has had to say to include what he has had to say about this subject. And so we can go into the writings that we have at our disposal and find out what he has had to say about this issue. Now, I'm not going to go into every passage in the scriptures that was meaningful to me when I was making this kind of a decision. I'm just going to mention a few of them. I want to encourage you to take personal responsibility for yourself and for your own beliefs and to make sure that you take time out of your life to answer this question for yourself. I am giving you a few passages to start with, to consider, and then from there I would like to encourage you to definitely pursue more. To begin with, I would like to start with Daniel chapter 9. This was a very important passage because when I did a search for all of the passages that spoke about the Messiah, it was a little difficult to find which ones were speaking of the Messiah, which ones may be speaking of the Messiah, I didn't have an index, an absolute catalog, to search for passages to study. So what I did was I did a study through Hebrew to find the word Messiah, or Mashiach, to locate the passages that might speak of him. And Daniel chapter 9 was the first one that I went to when I was in my journey of answering the question of how would I know the Messiah if I saw him. Daniel chapter 9 was was a very important was a very important chapter for me with regards to this. At this time Daniel was praying to God asking when the restoration would take place between God and his people, when a new relationship would be established and when the people would be permitted to return to the promised land. 
And God sent an angel to speak with Daniel about this and to explain when this would occur. And this is found in Daniel chapter 9, and I'm going to read in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. And this this uh, this translation that I'm reading is from the Jewish Publication Society. I've also translated this myself from Hebrew into English, and I'll read you what I what I believe a much better rendition is of this. But to start with, I'll read from the Jewish Publication Society's translation, just because I am speaking to a dual audience in this program. I'm speaking to both Christians who believe in Jesus and Jews who do not yet believe in Jesus. And so beginning in verse 24, it says, Seventy weeks are decreed upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sin and to forgive iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal vision and profit and to anoint the most holy place. Know therefore and discern that from the going forth of the word to restore and to build Jerusalem unto one anointed, a prince shall be seven weeks and for threescore and two weeks it shall be built again with broad place and moat, but in troublous times. All right, this is a fantastic passage because he speaks about a time period. It is here that the angel of God, he was sent by God to answer Daniel's question, and he gave him a lot of information here, and he answered the question of when there would be a restoration, when there would be everlasting righteousness, a seal of vision and profit to anoint the most holy place. You know, there are a lot of things that are said here that give explicit details concerning a major change in the relationship between God and the people of the world, a major change. This is definitely a description of the Messiah. As I said, I found this because the word Messiah in Hebrew is found here in these passages, and so I thought it would be a good place to start. But what I would like to point out is that in this passage, what we really have, first and foremost, is we have a definitive time period of when the Messiah would come, when he would arrive. Now, looking into the historical writings of many of our former rabbis, many people throughout history, there is a lot of literature available, a lot of literature that analyzes these passages and attempts to calculate when the Messiah would finally arrive A lot of people have done great work when it comes to this, and even though there are some disagreements about precisely what year that might be, maybe even what day, even though there are a lot of disagreements, at least there is a lot of discussion, a lot of analysis about this. And I have looked into a lot of it, and I feel very comfortable with the amount of study that I have done concerning this subject. I'm not going to take the time to talk about the calculations and to determine exactly when the Messiah would specifically arrive and when he would accomplish these things. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is explain that 
regardless of the precise year that the Messiah would show up, whatever that year was, it definitely has come to pass. Regardless of how you do the math, there was an approximate time era, an approximate set of years that we could look at to say, you know, it's definitely somewhere around here. And that time is gone. It has been a long time since then. That time period has passed, and that was very noticeable to me. That was very significant to me, because I realized that if if God himself sent an angel to tell Daniel when the Messiah was going to arrive, that time has come and it is gone, well then, the Messiah identified himself. The Messiah came. He was present according to the word of our God. And so, who who is it? Who was it? And so, on this basis, with this reality, based on what we have here in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 and 25, I feel very comfortable in considering Jesus as being a candidate, because he was here around the same time period that the angel spoke to Daniel about and said, you know, this is when he's going to show up. Jesus was a candidate. There were many other people who were considered to be possibilities in the Jewish world. We can read about those in the writings that I mentioned earlier. But without question, Jesus definitely, definitely fulfills the overwhelming majority of the concerns that people have, or the questions that people have, or the qualifications that we know of with regards to who the Messiah genuinely is. All right, now let me read this again from a translation that that I have done. And if you don't like this translation, you do your own, and I think you'll find that it's, it's, it's pretty good. All right, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, a better rendition is to say, He has determined 77s, upon your people and upon your holy city to close up the rebellion and to seal up sins and to atone for guilt and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up divine vision and prophecy and to anoint a holy one of the holy ones, the most holy one. I believe that that is a really good rendition of verse 24 and in verse 25. And you knew and you understood from a finding of a word for the return and for the building of Jerusalem until Messiah, a prince. And the root of that word is one who tells. I'm just adding that in. Seventy sevens and sixty sevens and two. It, referring to Jerusalem, will be rebuilt. A street and a trench, and I put a little note there saying it's probably a sewer line, and in the times of distress, all right? This definitely was a time period that we already had. It came and it went. It is gone. And so if anyone is going to be the Messiah, it's going to have to be someone who's in that time period. And as a result of what he accomplished... One of the things that we have here that is extremely important 
in verse 24, we have a fantastic description where he says he's going to bring in everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. This is a big topic, a huge topic. And Jesus was the only one who addressed this topic to seal up divine vision and prophecy. All right, with regards to the divine visions that were given to the prophets and the prophecies related to the Messiah, he brought an end. He brought closure to many of them. Many of them will still be fulfilled, but many of these were sealed up. There was definitive closure. There was an anointing of a holy one, of all the holy ones, he is considered to be the most holy. There is a lot to be said about these things. But with regards to this passage, I believe the most important thing for a person to think about and to remember is that this defines a specific time period. And I genuinely believe that you should take this seriously. Now, in addition, in Daniel chapter 9, I'm going to mention the idea of sins in order to then speak about the next passage that I'd like to refer you to. When it comes to the subject of sins, in verse 24, he said, and to seal up sins and to atone for guilt, but especially the idea of sealing up sins and the way that this phrase was expressed. To me, there's no doubt that the subject of sin as a whole would be coming to an end. This is a big deal. All right. This is an enormous issue. If you will take the time to read what our God has said to us in the past, you would know that this is a big issue. And for him to say that there would be an end of it, this is not a small matter. That one of the things the Messiah would accomplish is that he would bring an end to the subject of sin. That because of what he would do, the sin issue between us and our God would come to an end. This is one of the things that the Messiah would accomplish. How we would know him if we saw him? We would know him if there was a way that he resolved the sin issue between us and our God. The next passage that I was looking at was in Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning in verse 31, it's related to this, where it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For as much as they broke my covenant, although I was a Lord over them, saith the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts, and in their heart will I write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I will remember no more. This is Jeremiah chapter 31 between verses 31 through 34. And I'm reading from the Jewish Publication Society rendition of these passages. 
He says explicitly that there will be another covenant that will be nothing like the one that was given through Moses. He will establish a completely different covenant. And what will invoke this covenant is that he will remember our sins no more. There will be a forgiveness of iniquity and the sin issue will come to an end. That is exactly what he said the Messiah would do in Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 that I just read to you. It's the same thing, the same issue. All right? That one of the ways we will know the Messiah when we see him is if he invokes a new covenant, a new covenant and is not like the old one. And it is invoked because the sin issue is finally completely resolved. Now, there is a whole lot more to say about this subject. I'm just opening up the subject. I'm just opening the door. You walk through this door and you have a long way to go. There is a lot to study. There is a lot to learn about. There is a lot to understand. There are many things to wrestle with, and it is important to wrestle with a lot of issues, especially when it comes to the issues related to the law and the differences between the Old and the New Covenant. There is so much to say about it, so much to say about it, that if you go to the Living God Ministries radio archive, you will find hours and hours and hours of content related to this issue. And so there is certainly much more to say. I'm just wanting to get started. I'm just showing you Daniel chapter 9, Jeremiah chapter 31, and introducing the issue that the Messiah would definitely resolve the matter of sin. He would bring it to an end. He came, he was to come at a specific time period. We we are assured that he did. If we're going to believe our God about anything, we can believe him about that as well. We know that the Messiah has already come. We know that he has already resolved the issue of sin. So just on this basis alone, who qualifies? Who qualifies? Jesus is the only one who addressed this subject. He is the only one who addressed the subject of sin. He's the only one who addressed the issue of everlasting righteousness. No other person who was considered to be a candidate even remotely came close to this issue. And there are many other issues to deal with after this. But on this basis alone, I believe there is enough to get started with. There is a lot to get started with here. Now, I realize that the overwhelming majority of the Jews during that time rejected Jesus as their Messiah. But please understand, it's because primarily they had a definition for who the Messiah would be. And Jesus did not conform totally to who they wanted. He didn't conform completely to the kind of Messiah that they wanted. But please remember that there is a difference between the kind of Messiah that a lot of people want and the kind of Messiah that God decided to give. And as I explained in the previous program, what God thinks is more important than what you think and what I think and what the rabbis think. That's what's more important. And so if you don't like the kind of Messiah that he gave, then I'm sure you you can have a discussion with him about that. I just, I don't think 
that that discussion is going to go well. Consider another passage in the prophets, the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah, and this is in chapter 12, I'll begin to read from verse 10. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, in the Jewish Publication Society's translation into English. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look unto me because they have thrust him through, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. All right, they will look upon me because they have thrust him through and they shall mourn. This is just one example of the many passages that were significant to me. This one was very significant to me. I believe this absolutely speaks about the Messiah, the one who is bringing the spirit of grace, supplication, that there is a, there is a, a resolution to many issues through the presentation of this person. They will look upon him, a person who they thrust through, and they are definitely not expecting this person. They are going to mourn when they see him. To me, this was significant. This was a very important passage to me personally because I knew that Jesus was a candidate. However, most people were not expecting to see him. And so if most people, most Jews, are not expecting to see him, when they see him and they recognize, oh, this is the guy who we pierced, who we thrust through, and they mourn, then this is a way of defining, this is a way of defining some of the criteria for how we would know the Messiah when we saw him. This is a Messiah who the Jews don't expect predominantly. This to me was important to say, you know, Jesus fits this qualification very well. He really does. Now, I realize that this passage is not a big passage. It doesn't seem to have a lot of detail to it. But like I said, there are many. And when you assemble a collection of a huge number of passages, all related to the same theme, then as a collection, it becomes like a bunch of puzzle pieces that when you assemble them together, they give you a clear picture. And that is what my journey was like in coming to this conclusion. It was a journey of taking one piece here, one piece there, and seeing how they all fit together to resolve the same kinds of issues. And then the picture just simply becomes so clear that it's unavoidable. There's only one person who can possibly qualify to be the Messiah, and that is Jesus. And one of the most important things to recognize and to understand, as was described by Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 that I read, and also Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34, is that a major part, a major component of who the Messiah is and what he would do, how we would know him if we saw him, is that he would have a way to resolve the issue of sin between us and our God. Now, again, this is certainly not the only issue. There are many issues that need to be resolved. 
But this is a start. This gives us a topic that we can use in order to search through more of what our God has had to say about this subject. We are able to identify passages a little bit at a time and build an understanding of the Messiah that our God has already sent to us. As I explained from Daniel chapter 9, we have a description of the time period when the Messiah would come. He also spoke about the resolution of sin. With that, I can turn to other passages, such as Jeremiah chapter 31, where we can see again that there is a resolution of sin that our God uses in order to invoke a new covenant. And then I can turn to another passage, such as Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 and 11, where we have a person who is definitely thrust through. He is pierced. He is a person who the people are not expecting to see return. And we know that this Messiah is not a Messiah that just died and who is now gone. This is a Messiah who rose from the dead, who is alive, who is going to return. And when he does, he will finish what our God started. Thank you for listening. In this program, I began to answer the question of how would we know the Messiah if we saw him? What would be the criteria? And I introduced the criteria of what our God had to say about the Messiah. When he would come, what was one of the problems that he would resolve? He would resolve the problem of sin. He would also resolve the subject of righteousness. He would bring about an everlasting righteousness through his resolution of sin. I explained this in the prophecy that was given to Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. From there, I showed how you can look to other passages that are similar in nature in order to see how the many things that God had to say about this subject can be assembled together to give a clearer picture of who our Messiah really is. And I will continue with this subject of prophecy and the problems that our God was solving with the Messiah in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net